JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, so Vegas odds, right? I'm telling you, this is all This is all a sense of normalcy for me right here. Anybody else believe that too? And listen, it adds to the depth. I mean, by this time, you guys are completely worn out. I gave you a rebirth yesterday. I tried. I brought in people that knew a hell of a lot more than any of us. And really, from a local cult standpoint that you care about, and from a national perspective, you're not going to find two people in Rick Venturi and Daniel Jeremiah better to have on prior to the draft to tell you all you need to know. And I mean, cover all the bases. Mixing my metaphor sports-wise right there. But this just seems seems normal. Like, everybody's been out of shape about what's being said regarding C.J. Stroud. I think I got a tweet this morning from my good friend down in San Antonio, Steve, about something that Ross Tucker said about C.J. Stroud and according to mock drafts. Well, who cares? Who cares? Listen, I understand if you want to describe my take as flimsy, then so be it. I go by one game, but I'm honest about it. I'm not going to BS you across the board and tell you, well, you know, I've watched him and it was up and down and yeah, his decision making this and he's got too many weapons, too many weapons. God, <laughs> good, good. Then you like CJ Stroud, let the Colts go out and then get some weapons, get more weapons. Good. They like CJ Stroud. Maybe that will force their hand to be even more proactive into doing that. Making sure that it all fits. Making sure that he acclimates well. Again, I told you this. Across the board, there is still, I mean, what, what you hear 
I always take it with the proverbial grain of salt. I mean, even the stuff I hear, I could end up being completely wrong, but there's one thing that you know about me. You know about, certainly, that I have more than just an educated guess. And you also know that I'll stick to it. I haven't said anything. I haven't felt compelled to go, well, you know what? There's something different right here. The only thing that I'm really not down with is my info from still way back that I go with now doesn't match what I believe is the best fit moving forward. That's the only thing that's weird. It's the only thing that's odd about it. But all of this criticism, is it not just kind of par for the course? It is, right? Yeah, the Vegas odds have Will Evis going number one overall. That'd be like the third change of heart, reportedly, for Carolina. How many of these quarterbacks does Frank plan on whispering to? Hey, by the way, and we'll see what happens, and it's the main reason why Shane Steichen was hired here. I understand all of that. Because of the work that he had done, specifically with a variety of quarterbacks, and the fantastic work, whether you want to look a year ago at Jalen Hurts, or Justin Herbert, or the old man down the river in Phillip Rivers. I mean, he has worked and he has excelled working with top-notch developing and top-notch already their quarterbacks. That is great on your resume. Like, I don't know how much it did, because I haven't like utilized my resume. Even when I came over here, I don't think I have had my resume out since 2000. <laughs> Seriously, I don't even know where it is. My resume still probably got JMV 88 on it. I have no idea where it is. Because I started at NDE, and then when this place wanted me, I sat out for six months, satisfied my non-compete. Came over here, started working, and then nobody else has needed anything, whether it was Channel 13 on Weekend Sunrise or, you know, the Colts. Yeah, I'm sure Chris Egg is going to go, well, you know what? To do this Sunday show, you're going to have to show me your resume. <laughs> so I really haven't dusted that thing off in the better part of 23 years, and that's pretty sweet. But at the same time, if I did care about the resume... How about this? In terms of my concert-going resume, I need to build it. I want to build it even more. I have holes. In Shane Steichen's resume, he doesn't have too many holes as far as building an offensive leader, building, helping build a position that by far is the most important in any professional sport. Yeah, I know soccer people want to say goalie or striker or whatever. You know, no quarterback it is quarterback and Shane Steichen has been incredibly accurate with those that he has worked with but as I didn't if you remember with Frank Reich there was no disrespect there I just always felt it sounded weird the quarterback whisperer the quarterback whisperer I don't want to see people start calling Shane Steichen the quarterback whisperer and it's twofold, and this is just personal preference being one right here, is I think it sounds stupid. That's just me. The other thing is, 
Frank Reich was far, apparently, from a quarterback whisperer. So I think what you're doing right now is when he's getting off the ground, as he's doing now with that that minicamp that they're having with the Colts because he's a new head coach, right? I mean, you're just getting you're getting off the ground right now. So don't go ahead and say, yeah, the quarterback whisperer. Mind you, I know the importance that there is with him working with whomever this quarterback is going to be. And I know you talk yourself into it, and I don't blame you. And others have talked you into that, well, you draft the quarterback and then you turn him loose with Shane Steichen. And, you know, with you know all the confidence he has, all the different forms of quarterback that he's worked with and worked well with, that will ease you into, again, a draft that at that position, as much as you want to talk about the positives, everybody's always ready, willing, and able to bring up those negatives. He's not coachable. Seems like all the negatives are going with C.J. Stroud right now. Again, I watched him against Georgia. I wasn't thinking about it. didn't look to me like he, he lacked in coachability. <laughs> I don't know. He looked like he's made sound decisions. He should have called timeout and filled out his S2 really quick. He looked pretty damn good to me. That's what I'm saying. Like sometimes we get lost. Sometimes we get lost in... You know, quarterback whisperer, that crap. I agree. I think that, again, one of the things about a young quarterback that certainly has some good and some negatives to work through, as they all will say they do, is having somebody to lead them, but not the quarterback whisperer. Just a guy that's a good coach. guy that's a good coach. A guy that could install leadership to maybe a quarterback that's not quite where they want to be. I can tell you this for sure. This is absolutely for sure. And this is not just something I gathered the other day. Listen, I've heard zero. I mean, these guys are locked up tight right now and good for them because that's what you have to be. You can't be flinging information right now. Too many people out there will take that and run with it. Whether it's those, you know, your contemporaries in the NFL or Vegas. So now what is it? There's um there was an anonymous report that Will Levis's family and friends, they're telling everybody that Carolina's gonna draft him number one. So now apparently, I don't know, the, the nerd Darren Ravel, we saw his tweet that talked about how the odds have changed, whatever. You know, maybe Carolina did have a change of heart on it. Again, that'd be the third time. Be the third time. I don't know if I buy any of this. I still kind of want to just stick to where I am. I'm assuming a lot of you will as well, and that doesn't mean I'm going to be accurate about it. Because I'm assuming if you still hear this, I'm not going to suggest that there is a great deal of truth to it, but you notice when you lead up to a draft like this, oftentimes there's either not a shred of truth or just a little bit, maybe an embellished story, something like that. Let's get them made and then developed into something else. 
feels kind of like that's where we are right now. But again, no quarterback whisperer, just a head coach that can deal with a quarterback, teach a quarterback to do and lead. And again, like we've seen and what we most recently have seen in Jalen Hurts has been incredibly impressive. I will take that. I will take that over kind of the the BS portion of it. I mean, it's like quarterback whisperer and horseshoe guy. We've been through around here so much losing in this past year was a crap hole. So let's go ahead and drop all that stuff and then go with players that can play. Players that can play. Well, we want to have all this depth. And if you heard Rick Venturi yesterday, it's it's great to be able to tout your depth. Great. But it's not great when you look at, you know, a handful, over a handful, you know, 10 or so guys where as far as top of the line at these positions throughout the NFL, you're not clearly on par with where you need to be on par to be competitive. That's what you need to improve. That's the one thing that stuck out to me yesterday that Rick Venturi was talking about. Now, they're frontline guys. And this is something we've talked about for a number of years now. They're frontline guys with the ultra important positions. That's where you have to find your improvement. And then later on, when you improve that, you can talk all you want to about how you're filling the gap with guys that come in on third down. Or how this guy is so good on special teams that clearly he belongs as a starter in the secondary. Yeah, all that crap you can figure out later on. Start getting some good players. Develop that concept. And then start putting together again a winning program. So yeah, I do kind of sidestep a lot of this crap. Again, even if I thought that there's some of this that's true. And I'll give you a great example, the Stroud stuff. If I thought that it was true, I look at the coaching staff and I want to say, this guy is clearly talented regardless of who has played around him. Do something with him. That's your job. That's your job. That's why you're here. Now, again, your job is also to find the best one out there. I do understand it. Find the best football player and then mold the leadership. And I do know this. I know this for sure, that leadership is incredibly important for this team. Oftentimes, we consider it just like we do that the horseshoe guy and all that. When things aren't going well, you go, yeah, whatever, BS. But it is incredibly important for this group. Want to know why? Because since Phillip Rivers was here for one year, they haven't had it. That's something you can't see. Something you have been able to see. They haven't had it. They do want that. Now, I sit here and suggest that, to me, it's much easier to make, to to transfer that knowledge to a young quarterback and then move forward than it is to make that young quarterback what you need to excel at the highest level at that position, especially in a loaded AFC. Again, that's why you're here. But leadership is a quality that they indeed are looking for. That's no BS. 
And again, I can't sit here and tell you. I can't qualify any opinion. I don't know how great of a leader Will Levis is compared to Anthony Richardson, compared to C.J. Stroud, um, compared to you. I have no idea. I just know this. I know that Will Levis a year ago had a subpar season compared to what he had the year prior where he was really good against a high level of talent. But I also know at the same time that we watched some guy named Sean Clifford play quarterback where Will Levis once was at Penn State. Is he good enough to go right now? And two years ago, he looked that way. Yeah, C.J. Stroud, all I can tell you is what I've seen. He looks very mobile. In terms of this, and really Levis is too, we should give him credit. He he can move around too. It's not like he's going to be a statue back there. You're not going to see like a younger version of Matt Ryan take off running and look like he's going backwards. Not going to see that at all. He can move. He can move. He is strong. He is athletic. There is a good reason. Even if you don't like him, there's a good reason why. It's not just what somebody said about friends and family saying this. It's just not, you know, all deeply rooted BS prior to the draft. He is a talented player. He's a talented quarterback. Again, evenly put, though, you can just poke a number of holes in all these dudes. And when it becomes prevalent, more so than any of the positivity, you have nothing but negative regarding Stroud right now, nothing but negative regarding Levis, even though he is moving up the Vegas odds charts. And then everybody is still in love with Richardson and Hooker. If you missed Rick Venturi yesterday, I would advise you, especially before the draft, to go back and listen to it. Because not only did we talk about number four overall and what's going to take to lead this team, what they're looking for, but what they're looking for later on in this draft as well. Round two, round three, round four. The fives, the sevens, all that. Now, everything has been said regarding Chris Ballard that he has done well in the latter rounds. Well, it's time to do well up front here, too. But Rick was outstanding yesterday. That podcast is at 1075thefan.com. Hopefully, you can log on. It's your convenience. Not now, but it's your convenience and enjoy that. Stephen Holder is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour or get his thoughts. Yeah, up and down are the Levis odds right now. Like a roller coaster. Stroud may be sitting there at four. Stroud may be sitting there at four and they take Levis. I don't know if I'm buying into the Carolina. So Carolina gave up that load to draft Will Levis? Is that what we gather here from Vegas? Vegas just trying to draw you in to their trap and then close that bad boy up. Take you out to a cornfield somewhere. Nikki. <laughs> Man, casino seems like casino is on every five seconds now. But I'm always drawn to it. I'm always drawn to it. I'm, I'm drawn to it because in, in casino, I love the character of Robert De Niro, Sam Rothstein, right? Now, this incredibly smart guy, savvy guy, numbers guy, bookmaker. And 
like the choice. Listen, Sharon Stone smoked, but the choice he made, knowing that was exactly what was going to happen. Anytime I watch that and I watch it over and over again, I'm always saying it's kind of like what I do with Urban Cowboy with Bud Davis. Like, hey, man, I mean, I know you see Sissy here and you guys live in the trailer and everything like that. But look at Pam. Pam's got a penthouse. Pam is smoke. What kind of decision are you making here, bud? What the hell? Same thing I say about Sam Rothstein. Now, you've got a zillion chicks around here in Vegas right now. You're going to go to this one that you just watch in your cameras all the time, taking money from really rich dudes. <laughs> uh, every time it's on, I watch it. it. Seems like Vegas is going to even more so pad their wallets with this. Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network, was outstanding. He joined us yesterday as well on a lot of this stuff, a lot of the hearsay. And, of course, the NFL Network getting ready for their broadcast coming up on Thursday at 8 o'clock from Kansas City. Do we know, does anybody with the Colts know, are they in the running for a draft? Like, we do stuff. I say we. I don't do anything. I'm just going to say we because I'm, like, here with everybody that does the stuff. Like, we do this stuff so well. Right? The NCAA tournament was held here. 2021, it was here. All of it. That still floors me. Absolutely floors me. I know that it wasn't your average crowds and all that, but I, the undertaking that that was is still, it is hard to comprehend, but it is awesome. How's Kansas City? Because they're good. Because they won a Super Bowl. Do they get that before the Colts do? Is there a pecking order here? Because, listen, we're not going to get another Super Bowl here forever. Like, what what they're doing in Nashville with that dome stadium and crap down there, I mean, that's going to suck up all the life out of any possibility. Here's when you're, and I'll be long gone by then. You guys will be cheering that. But the next time they're going to end up getting in Super Bowl here is when they have to make a transition from Lucas Oil Stadium. Seriously. I wish because it was awesome. But yeah, you get the NFL draft. What about that? Where are they in line? I mean, Jim Ursay is like the the now vocal leader of the owners. Jump in there and get us a little bit of fun. I'm trying to think about this. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? That may be the mark for this city's professional sports return. A first-round series going on at Gamebridge Fieldhouse with the Pacers and an NFL draft going on here, too. That will mark the triumphant return of professional sports in this market. That will be announcing your presence with authority. I await that moment. I do. James, look at how far ahead do they figure that out. Do we know? Somebody from the Colts can tell me that over there. How have you guys not already told me that? You guys are all over there half asleep because you're sick and tired of doing all that. I don't blame you either. All this NFL draft coverage. Oh, nodding off in your chair over there. Hey, lickety here. A little information. What do you got there, James? Looks like they vote on it about two years before what? the draft. Where's yeah. it going next? Let me look. So we got to we got to have that rebirth of sorts coming up in two years. Is that what you're saying? I don't know if I can wait for two years. Yeah, we got really used to a lot of consistent winning around here. Yes, James. 
the 2024 draft will be in Detroit. <laughs> nice pick. <laughs> Detroit. God. See, that's the next one needs to be indie because you, can you imagine? Then you'll really knock it out of the park after it's up there at that crap hole, that crappy state. Detroit. God. All right, Detroit. How much do you have to pay to get that? And like, surely the NCAA. The last time I was at the uh, NCAA Final Four it was at Ford Field, and it was awful. That was a time when Matt Painter, they were staying over in Windsor, Canada, and every time they crossed the bridge, they had to get shaken down, I think, going back to Canada or going to Canada and then coming back to the United States. All right, everybody, out of the car. (laughs) Out of the car. What do you say you do again? You're a coach of what? Mm. Detroit? Good God. All right. We await the rebirth because that's exactly when it's going to be. All right. Stephen Holder, bottom of the hour. DeRocco is going to be here coming up in the four o'clock hour. I still, I don't care. I, I love it. I know that it's an absolute disaster for his team and Dylan Brooks. I still thank Dylan Brooks for adding a little bit of drama. My man, karma. Karma and LeBron James would be beating him down right now. I know you want to be the villain, and then you wonder why you're the villain. You can't wonder why you're the villain when you say you're the villain. Can you? And do that. Like Lex Luthor go, hey, wait a minute. I'm the villain? What? Darth Vader, hey. I'm how am I a villain? That has been a good series, though. Uh, Jimmy Butler, I know I have to take a break here. Jimmy Butler is an absolute badass. This time of year is a badass. I love watching him play basketball. He gets every stinking foul call. That's a joke. That's an absolute joke. I'm sorry. Most of his foul calls are a joke. Anybody else notice that? I mean, who was it? Was it Ingles last night? I mean, how, how do you foul... Jimmy Butler with your ass. How you do? I mean, just what? Jimmy Butler just dribbles right into you and throws it up. I'm going to do that at pickup hoop later on tonight. I'm just going to like dribble right into John Darmelio and throw it up to the ceiling. Call a foul. I'm not taking anything away from the badassery that we were shown by Jimmy Butler. There's no doubt about it, but I'm sorry. More than just a couple of those foul calls were jokes. He was still going to have a huge game. The ultimate impact. I love watching him play, except when I have to see that constant parade to the free throw line when they call a foul on Joe Ingles' ass. That's the only part I don't like. Amazing performance last night, though. Stephen Holder, Mike DiRocco, let me take a break and we shall return. I tell you this, in the 5 o'clock hour, it looks to be right now, I look at the dry erase board, it is wide open. So that might be a time for us to do some me and Ewan in the 5 o'clock hour. Till then, Stephen Holder, Mike DiRocco, James is here. I'm John. Thoroughgood tickets, Grand Prix 
tickets we shall give away coming up a little bit later on as well. And remember, yesterday, Daniel Jeremiah and Rick Venturi, those podcasts to get you ready for the 2023 NFL Draft. That's 1075thefan.com. The stream, the app, HD Radio, inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'll fire that up in just a second. And Stephen Holder of ESPN.com gets us started on the other side. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. They call me Cuba Pete. I'm the king of a rumba beat. When I play the maracas, I go chick chicky boom, chick chicky boom. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I like to say. Uh, Thorgood tickets a little bit later on. You guys got to listen to when for that, too. Uh, Grand Prix tickets for you. Lounge via YouTube Live. See what's being said before I get to Stephen Holder here. Uh, Steve Roach, I scored 70% of my S2 C's get degrees. Here's the other thing. My degree, you can say, well, it's Indiana State, and they still had ashtrays on all desks. But here was the big thing for me. I was there. I showed up. I didn't skip. I showed up. So whatever Professor Hatch was reading one of my incredible stories about, you know, the decade of porn in the 70s or serial killers throughout three consecutive decades, when he was reading that and wondering what kind of loon he's dealing with, he also knew that that loon was in his class every single day. That helped. I was always there. Big time helper. Mike DiRocco, top of the hour on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. We'll start our ESPN.com representation with Stephen Holder regarding the Colts and more. Hello, Stephen. How are you? Doing well. How is everything? Ah, fantastic. So I'm just watching the uh, odds makers in Vegas go up and down, going to stick some more cash in their couch cushions and all this goes to how we thought it was going to go, right? But I would guess to say in the last 48 hours, the up and down nature of Will Levis has been a bit fascinating to watch. It has. Well, i give you that. It's fascinating to watch. Now, ask me what the hell it means, and I cannot tell you one thing <laughs> because I don't know what it means, but it is definitely fascinating, and I would love to know the the inner workings of this and, and what they are truly based on. I guess this is where we are, right? I mean, everybody... So one, one rumor? Currency, like right? one sports, kind of anonymous sports book rumor? Uh, his friends and family, he's telling he's going to Carolina number one. That's what causes all this upheaval, according to odds? That's weird. I mean, I hope it's something more than that, don't you? You know, Yeah, like, because I was thinking about going ahead and fabricating my own story right here. See yeah, if I can I mean, move I think it. Me and, you could, me and yeah. you could have a conversation. I think we can make some money. Why not? You know? I'll just, I can Listen, I can make something up just as good as anybody. <laughs> 
Listen, I'm a writer by trade, man. Okay? I got a vivid imagination. <laughs> well, I'm not that good. There's no doubt about that. No writing going on here. Barely reading going on here. Certainly a lot of talking. We'll, we'll talk. We'll put our heads together. Okay. Yeah. So that's that part is um is really weird. Here's the thing that I've noticed more so than anything else, and it's this has been this is how you have to be. But as locked up of a program with the Colts we have seen in a long time. And that goes to show you when they want to lock it up, and I do suggest at times, I bet you they leave the owner out of some of these even more private conversations. When they want to lock it up, they can lock it up tight. That is true. That is true. I I think this is a a very good example of of how the Colts tend to operate. I'm not saying – that news never leaks out, but but you might notice that oftentimes when when things happen with the Colts, now you might get the breaking news from you know some national insider. Here's what you don't get: you tend to not get any sense that it's happening until it happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, sure. There's not typically a foreshadowing of it and say, hey, there's conversations about this or conversations about that. Those things don't tend to happen. In fact, if they do, it, it tends to be just we pick up on, on some of those signs ahead of time, we, local media, just because we're around, and we may get some indications of it. And then when it happens, it, it gets reported. But, but generally, uh, it's not getting out because – Someone leaked it or, or they just, you know, heard through the grapevine. That tends to not happen. Now, you mentioned the owner. Now, uh, you know, a relevant point. I did talk to him last night. Well, tell me all was, about it then. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, okay, let me clarify. Mark, so, mark the tape here, James. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just clarify. He called for a very specific reason. When he calls, especially late at night, you know there's a specific uh, reason you didn't let it go to voicemail, you should just let that go to voicemail. <laughs> it would have been a long voicemail. <laughs> anyway, so he said uh, he, he wanted to talk about. Well, he, he was very he was very annoyed with with Ryan Leaf. I'm gonna start with that. Ah. Okay, so Ryan Leaf has been making the rounds a little bit lately. Yes, it's the the 25th anniversary of the '98 draft. And yesterday on Dan Patrick, he said something, and, and this is on my Twitter feed. I got a story about it if you care, but if people want to just get the details. The point is, the, the short version is, in that interview with Dan Patrick, Ryan Leaf said, well, you know, it's my impression that Jamersey wanted me over Peyton, <laughs> to which Jamersey was not having it. He's like, no, 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 let, let me set the record straight, which he did very clearly. Is, However, that, is that the only thing he wanted right there? Was that? Uh, he wanted to set that straight. Yeah, I guess he – I don't know why that was of such importance to him. I I have a theory. I think my theory, and this is not what he said. This is my theory. My theory is that, you know, th- that there have been some things that maybe Peyton has taken offense to over the years. And I think he's very hypersensitive toward anything that might be a slight toward Peyton Manning. That is my I think that's theory. a strong theory you have there, sir very yeah. strong so that's what would that's what kind of made it make sense in my head you know what i'm saying so because i was trying to figure it out and and that is what i settled on <laughs> as my uh we talked about that for a while um you know that that whole that whole backstory is interesting as you know and you've covered it you know backwards and forwards the bill polian version of the story is very different than other versions but whatever so of course to continue to, to the more important 
topic, which you want to talk about. Of course, I tried to get him talking about the draft. Like, hey, give me something. What you, what's going on? One thing I will say, look, he, he was buttoned up. I'll give him that. But the one thing I came away with, and I'm going to have a story that elaborates on some of this, I believe posting before the, before the end of the evening tonight. Uh, he gave me the very distinct impression that conversations are ongoing over there. And that now they may have a preference. He didn't necessarily lead me on one way or the other. They may have a preference on the quarterback. By the way, it's a quarterback. It's one of the four quarterbacks. Okay. A hundred percent. One thousand percent is one of the four quarterbacks that I can tell you. I would bet my mortgage on it after the conversation. Not that we doubted it, but I'm just giving you the details. That's the first thing. The other thing is they, they the conversations continue. As I said, uh, he said that they, let's put it this way. I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but the impression I got was that they do not see a lot of separation between these guys. And I have felt that way throughout. And I, I feel stronger about saying that after speaking to him, he, he really feels like any of these guys could go number one, theoretically, you know? So I, I think that's true of their evaluation. And, and maybe that's why this has been so difficult, you know, to, to really settle on who they want. And then the other reason it's been difficult is because the Colts don't have control of the board right they they don't know what's going to happen in front of them so anyway that's that was the big takeaway from the conversation uh sorry for the long long no long. it's all right that's great yeah, yeah. it um that's it, the interesting part to me and Stephen holder of espn.com's on the andy moore automotive group hotline you can read his uh, story regarding a late night phone call from colt's owner jim ursay where he actually got up out of bed and answered the phone we're gonna say job Literally. well done right there <laughs> I, I can kind of understand what chris ballard's coming from suggesting that he and they don't know because it is not a good look if you do know and you just sit back and say, you know what, these guys are so close together and yeah, whatever, whatever the hell we get, we get here. So I, I kind of understand that aspect of it. Yeah, I, I think, but I also think it makes it hard to, you know, to, to, to be aggressive. Because, Again, I don't, I don't know if I believe it. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if I believe yeah. it, but I wouldn't want. Wait, wait, I which part? That, I, well, no, I, just sit I, back and let it come to that? Yeah, I don't think I would want the fan base to know you're just sitting back and forth and taking whatever's given to you. Right. So that's, that's fair. That's a fair theory. I think the other thing here is, you know, when you don't have a strong preference, it does maybe complicate the, the idea of trading up and being aggressive because who are you being aggressive for? And what's the right, what's the right cost to that move of being aggressive in terms of what you're willing to invest, especially if you don't see a big difference between player X and player Y. I'm just playing devil's advocate, right? You know, I I don't know how this is going to go. I don't think they know how this is going to go, but, but I think that's, that's the issue there. And look for them, the best case scenario, and this is not breaking news, but the best case scenario is that a couple defensive players go and then before them, and then they can do whatever it is they want to do. Uh, but failing that, and, and number three is obviously the big wild card, failing that, uh, they are going to have to make a decision. And I guess we'll see. Well, look, here's the beauty of this. They have told us that, well, at least the, the indications are that they don't have a strong preference for one quarterback over the others. But if there's multiple guys on the board, we're going to know their answer. That's the beauty of this. We're going to get an answer ultimately 
on who they prefer because they're going to have to make a choice, most likely. It is Stephen Holder, ESPN.com on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. I don't know, again, how in-depth you went with him. You said that he was still really guarded and protective of information, and that's a good thing overall. Bad thing for us, good thing overall, certainly for Uh, them. I was as surprised as you were. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt, and and they're standing. But one thing that that I was told, and this goes back as long as I've been, I've been saying Levis really going back to the fall, and I don't even know how it came about. It just kind of popped up to me. And I just kind of ran with it at the time, and nothing has really persuaded me to jump off of that. And we'll see what happens coming up on Thursday. I mean, things certainly could have changed. But there was one dynamic at work that oftentimes we just take as, yeah, whatever, because all we care about is the eyeball test, how they play, how they throw, how they move, how athletic they are, uh, escapability, mobility, all this stuff in terms of a quarterback. But I'm curious, have you heard as much as I have about how important a high, I mean a high level of leadership quality they get in this pick of this quarterback is to them? Yeah, I think that is something Shane Steichen has talked about, uh, both at the owners' meetings and in other conversations. That is something that's important to him for sure. And and I think the thing to know here is, look, let me tell you something. He's going to have a big voice in this. Okay, like bigger than people realize. That is also something Ursay and I talked about. Shane Steichen is going to have a huge, huge voice in this. I'm not saying he's making the final decision, but but they're going to listen to him, and they should listen to him because they're putting all this on him. Frankly, I mean the the success of this quarterback, they're putting that on Shane Steichen's shoulders. Basically, you know, the success or failure of that quarterback, they're, they're putting it in large part on his shoulders because they're saying, all right, we're going to let you build from the ground up, go get your guy and, and we'll let you do your thing. And, and that's a big responsibility. So I think when you do that, you have to let that coach uh, have a big say in the decision. And I think that's what they're going to do, uh, which is the right thing to do. Anyway, uh, to your point, yes, I do think the leadership quality, I mean, that was important to Frank Reich, and that has not changed. It's, it's definitely important to Shane Steichen. I think, you know, go back to a couple of the quarterbacks he's had over the past few years. Uh, you can go all the way back to 2019. I mean, he was with Phillip Rivers, and you don't get a higher level of leadership than that guy, right? So he's seen it in his first year as an offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, with with Philip Rivers. Then you saw it with Justin Herbert, who from all accounts uh, has been a good leader uh, for the Chargers. And then finally Jalen Hurts, who really had to, had to operate under a really difficult circumstance uh, before Carson Wentz's departure had to come in in a fractured locker room and hold that team together, which he was able to do. And then really assert himself as a leader in a major way the last two years and ultimately what he did in, in 2022, leading that team to the Super Bowl. I mean, that guy has – it's coming out of his pores, the leadership qualities, right? So so I think that informs some of what Shane Steichen sees as uh, the kind of quarterback he'll want. So I, I don't – I'm not surprised that that's a big part of their checklist uh, because it's been a big part of the success of Shane Steichen's quarterbacks. All right, what you got in mind for Thursday? This is the last time you and I have a conversation before this happens, and then afterwards we'll, I'm sure, break it down. What's your call sitting here with me right now on this Tuesday with all ears on you? Stephen Holder, you make the call. I mean, 
here's the hard part, and I'm not I'm not breaking new ground here, but I, I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen in front of them. But I, I guess if the if the question is like CJ Stroud, for example, all right, let, let's let's give you I'll give you a couple scenarios and then tell you what I do. Let's do it that way. So I'm sticking with Bryce number one overall, I guess, because that's what I've heard and and that's what I'm sticking to. I think that's what the Colts are expecting at this point. That that's what I've heard. So that's the first thing. Let's assume that happens. Now, if CJ Stroud gets to number four, no idea, or even number three, whatever. If CJ Stroud falls a little bit, personally, I'm going to get in that guy. I don't know. I, I can't speak to the S2 test. I can't speak to whatever the concerns are about him because I don't know. I, I see what everybody else sees. I read what you read. But I also know this guy's ability, and I know what he put on film. It is spectacular. And I just think the, the floor for C.J. Stroud is extremely high, and he can give the Colts what they need. They want to be an aggressive passing, passing game and, and throw the ball all over the place. Well, you better have a guy who can, who can put it on the money and put it on the numbers, and that guy can. So that's what I'd do. If he's gone, okay, and we're talking about Levis and Richardson, I'm just telling you what I would do. I don't know what they're going to do, but I'll tell you what I'd do. I would go Richardson, and here is why. Maybe not – it's controversial take, and that's fine. Here is why. I think that they need such a dynamic player to compete in this conference. I mean, the, the Jets just got Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think they have a prayer at the Super Bowl, okay, unless they prove me wrong. Aaron Rodgers. And I'm not so sure they have any shot at the Super Bowl. They think they do. Maybe they do. But that's where we are in the AFC. So you better get a guy who's, whose ceiling is like another galaxy. And he's, he's the guy. He's the one who has that kind of ceiling. I get it's a boomer bust proposition. I get that. But I also think – I don't think his floor is nearly as low as people want to suggest or, or some suggest. I understand the concerns. I have them too. Uh, but look, I'm telling you, I, I just think from a, it's not, it's not about his 40 times. It's not about his vertical jump. It ain't about any of that. It's about his ability to, to make the kinds of throws and make the kinds of dynamic plays that no one else in the draft can. So we'll see. That's my two cents, but, but look, Levis, Levis is going to be fine. I think, I think he has at least has the potential to be a fine player. Like he could be a really good player. In fact, um, I, I don't, I don't have anything negative to say about Will Levis at all. The uh, yeah, the, the the thing about Richardson is that um, I, I I get exactly what you're saying about what he could oh, be for everybody. But he's man, not for yeah, everybody. yeah, well, okay. and and listen, I, I was drawn into it about a month ago. You know, with that pro day, I go whoa, and I don't normally do that. Mm-hmm. I just um, I, I think that you're going. Listen, do, do they have time on their hands? Yeah, more than I think your average Colts fan would think around here. Sure. Being Chris Ballard right now, I just sure. don't happen to think he has that much time on his hands. That is a fair part of the conversation, and it's an it's a important part of the conversation. There is no doubt because I mean we're seeing that with with Justin Fields right now, right? It's you know, it's not infinite. <laughs> Time is not infinite. And not that they're necessarily on a, a short string there, a short leash necessarily, but, we, you know, we are seeing that that's been a process, right? It has been a process. There's no doubt about that. I, I think there are some similarities there uh, between Richardson and, and Justin Fields. Um, but 
Richardson's, I think his his pocket presence is is further along right now than maybe Fields was. Uh, Fields, and part of this is maybe because of the Bears being a mess and protection being bad. Uh, he he just didn't seem very interested initially in staying in that pocket for very long. <laughs> and I get that he didn't trust his protection, but but that is an area where I think Richardson, I think you'll see a difference there. I mean, at least. Just watching him in the SEC. I mean, he he was going up against some bad dudes coming off the edge, and and he stood in there, and he he was able to navigate that pocket and works the pocket as good as or better than anybody in this draft. So that's an underrated uh, an underrated aspect of his game. So we'll see. I, I don't know, man. It's, there's no right or wrong answers because. At least not now. The, the right or wrong answers won't come for like three years. <laughs> a late-night phone call from the owner, Jim Irsay. A story coming out about that and your draft coverage at ESPN.com. And our friend Stephen Holders on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. It is always a pleasure. We will check in after the draft, buddy. I can't wait, man. Partly because <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for it to be over and partly because I'm, I'm dying to know. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Thank you, Stephen. All right, brother. Stephen Older on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Let me take a break. We'll come back. Lounge YouTube live conversation going right there. Duraco, top of the hour, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Nick, give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Stephen Holder a little bit earlier. Daniel Jeremiah on the show yesterday. Rick Venturi, two podcasts, 107.5thefan.com. All right. I'm not 10 years old. Actually, I'd have to be older than that. I'm not 17 years old asking this question here. But I'm just curious. Like, I don't care... I, you know, I had a check mark and it's gone, and I, I could not have cared less about it. But I would ask you this because it appears that I'm not getting back. I like to interact with a lot of you, except for the jacksticks out there. I like to interact with you. And I'm not getting, like, my mentions are not coming down as they used to. Is that operator error? Or is there a snafu going on in Twitter? Do you know, James? Anything? I would not know off the top of my head, but I wouldn't be surprised if something weird was going on with Twitter. We got a snag going on in Twittersville here. So I, I didn't care about the other stuff because I'm like I'm the same verified as I'm non-verified. Actually, I think not being verified makes me a little bit, you know, to add to my handsome chiseled features that you're looking at right now inside the lounge via YouTube Live. It, it gives me a little bit of uh, an iffy kind of dark side, right? Like a taste of, man, this guy, you know, this guy's kind of, it could go off at a moment's notice. Kind of gets me a little dust. So, yeah, I'm okay with that. 
But if I don't get back to you, I'm wondering what's going on. So if anybody can answer that question, please do. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Speaking of Q&As, ESPN.com. He covers the Jaguars and the rest of the AFC South. He is Mike DiRocco. So what's the conversation in your world in covering the South and what's going to go on with the Jags and, and the other teams? What's your thought about what the Colts may or may not do? And I know the Texans are up there as well at number two, but what are your thoughts about number four, what the Colts may or may not do at quarterback? Uh, I think everybody down here would prefer that they roll with Nick Foles uh, for the next 10 years. I think that uh, the <laughs> don't Jackson give him any good. I- don't give him any ideas. All right. Would would love that, um, but uh, you know I think down here they're expecting them to come out of the the, the draft with the with the quarterback, and and there'll be three new rookie quarterbacks in in the AFC South for the next or for the twenty twenty three season anyway. Um, that's that's the expectation down here. The, the feeling is, hey, look, they just can't keep rolling the dice on older veteran quarterbacks any longer. They've got to make they've got to you know bite the bullet and. and grab a rookie and start the rebuild. Um, so I think that's kind of what everyone down here is expecting. Now, you know, whether it's Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or whoever, that's, you know, completely up in the uh, up in the air now. I've seen that all of a sudden overnight Will Levis went uh, from like 50 to 1 to 5 to 1 as the number one overall pick. So I don't know what the heck's going on now. Yeah, and see, now, I mean, you cover a team – and the Jags, I'm not suggesting they're just going to sit back and relax, but I mean, compared to the past, that's going to be a different feeling for the fan base in Jacksonville, knowing what you know, having what you presently have evolving still at quarterback, and then watching now the rest of the AFC South try to catch up. Yeah, it is completely and totally unusual around here to be in that position. I've been covering the team since 2013. And, you know, after that big run in 2017, um, it's not the, you know, people thought they were going to be, a, you know, a team that could win or at least get to the Super Bowl in 2018. But there's a different feeling here than then, mainly because they've got the quarterback. I mean, back then it was Blake Portals and it was an offense play action, you know, built around the run game, Leonard Fournette. It was, you know, Blake be a game manager and don't mess anything up. And, you know, he did not play well in 18 and the injuries mounted and all health fell, you know, broke loose and, and the, the program fell apart. So it's just a different feeling down here. And, and there is a sense of being in the driver's seat from people down here in Jacksonville that, hey, look, you know, we've got Trevor Lawrence, we've got Doug Peterson. Our offense was 10th in the league in uh, 20. 22 and they've we've added calvin ridley so people around here are going we're good everything's great you know we just got to find a couple of things um on defense and and we'll be ready to roll there and i'm just like well i mean i yeah i'm but you know 2018 wasn't that long ago it can fall apart pretty quickly um but everybody around here is just uh you know expecting this to just continue to rise up here and you know they're they're the best team in the AFC South. I don't think there's any argument there. Um, it's a first-place schedule that they're going to be handling this year, so it might be a little bit tougher road for them. But when you have the quarterback, like you know, and, and the elite teams in the league have the quarterbacks, and then you've got the head coach, you've got the two most important pieces, and, and that's where they're sitting right now. Did uh, the, the first season with Doug Peterson as the head coach, did that – 
even more reinforce how silly it looked to have Urban Meyer as the coach the year prior? <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess you could say it that way. It yeah. was it, – it, it, it's amazing. It took them over a month um, to end up with Doug Peterson. And when you look at it, it just seemed like you looked at all the other people that they interviewed. Uh, for the job, and Matt Eberflus, and and Kevin O'Connell, and Bill, Bill O'Brien, and Jim Caldwell, and I, you know, I know I'm missing a few names there as well. But Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, and I'm not really sure how that winning a Super Bowl is not the most important thing a coach can ever have done, and why that all of a sudden didn't make it an automatic no-brainer for this franchise. But they took their time, and they eventually got the right guy in place and, and the guy that was the complete and total polar opposite of urban Meyer. And, you know, he said the first thing that he, the, these players needed to do was they needed to heal from 2021. And then he needed to gain their trust. And that was what their entire spring and off season was about them healing and him gaining their trust. And I thought, you know, when we ended October and we were looking at this team and they were two and six and they had just come back from that awful um, loss in London to the Broncos, I thought, you know what, you know, maybe Doug Peterson's the right guy for the job, but it's going to take a little bit longer. And maybe there's still some questions about Trevor Lawrence, but that November, December, January, things turned around and, and now they're sitting here going, we are in a fantastic shape um, and we are the best team in the AFC South. And we got a chance to make a run in the AFC. So Urban Meyer's memory is so far in the rearview mirror around here, it's not even funny. Well, you know, again, you talk about the circus that was that most of that season. You know, we had a circus around here of our own this past season. I will say this, Mike, too, and, and Rick Venturi and I have talked about this before. I've brought this up. Had the Colts, and again, closed out Minnesota where they had that lead in the second half and embarrassed themselves in the second half of the fourth quarter against Dallas or the lead they had here against Washington or, you know, final game of the regular season against Houston. You win a couple of those games, and, and to me, Jeff Saturday's still here. To me, Jeff Saturday very well could still be here with a couple of those wins. That's kind of, I think it's such a difference in in winning and losing and how you see it. But honestly, you look back on it this past year with such a circus both on and off the field around here. One that I'm sure is a little bit comparable to that one you went through with Urban Meyer. Yeah, although Saturday wasn't kicking any kickers and uh, screaming. Uh, he was not doing that. The locker room. So, I mean, you know, but I understand absolutely what you're saying. And, and it's amazing how one or two games can kind of just flip the entire direction of your franchise. Look right. at the Jets in 2020. They beat the Rams and they beat, uh, I can't remember who the other team was they beat, but they beat the Rams and that gave the Jaguars the number one draft pick in 21. They end up with Trevor Lawrence. The Jets end up with Zach Wilson. And now look at how, how different things are now. What if it's Trevor Lawrence in, the, in New York and, and Zach Wilson here? And what a mess it is down here now. So it's, it's crazy. Two more wins. You're right with Jeff Saturday. Maybe yep. 
maybe he's still the head coach. And I tell you what, the people down here in Jacksonville probably would have been okay with that. Yeah, it's yeah, very doable. And the games I talked about as well. And then, I mean, think about the dynamic where Houston won. The reason why, reportedly, Houston uh, is very apprehensive about selecting a quarterback at number two, and according to reports, won't, is because Lovey's gang came up here and won the final regular season weekend and put them to where they are right now. So it's amazing how all this stuff works out. Yeah, I don't buy they won't take a quarterback. I don't either. I don't either. I, 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 you know what I mean? I don't believe anything I hear or read um, once we get two, three weeks out from the draft. I mean, if a if a GM's lips are moving publicly at a news conference, they're probably not giving a 100% truth there. I'm not saying they're lying, but this is smokescreen season. This is misdirection season. So I, if we get to the number three pick, on Thursday night and the Texans haven't taken a quarterback, then I'll believe it. But until then, no way. I think they take C.J. Stroud and and go from there. It is uh, Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com, covers the Jaguars, covers the AFC South with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon. Of course, one of the four quarterbacks that have been mentioned the most around here. And again, I'd been talking about how I believe for a long time it's going to be Levis. We've seen the Vegas odds with Levis rise certainly be a roller coaster, if not the past three or four days. But one guy in the mix here is Anthony Richardson. And, Mike, honestly, the last time I looked at a map, Gainesville's not that far from Jacksonville. I'm curious your thoughts on somebody you've probably seen and certainly heard about for his his career as the Gators quarterback and how that may or may not transition to the next level in your eyes. Yeah, no, I uh, I did watch him quite a bit last year. Um there's no denying that he's a physical specimen. He's got the athleticism, the height, the weight, the arm strength. Clearly he's gifted with the ability to throw the ball, but you know, they were limited offensively in what they were doing with Anthony Richardson. And and the question that you have is, is the accuracy, um, his inaccuracy problems an issue? I mean, in this day and age, if you're not completing 60% of your passes, even at the college level, that, that's a red flag to me. Now, can guys change? Absolutely, because Josh Allen's a guy who was a less than 60% passer at Wyoming, and he's become one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So it does happen. But I just, you know, the, the inaccuracy is a concern for me. One thing he said, um, you know, they had beaten Utah, and then the following week he played poorly. And then after that game, he said in the news conference, I lost some confidence in myself. Um, and, and that scares the hell out of me as a, as a talent evaluator. If I'm a talent evaluator or a head coach, I don't want my quarterback ever saying publicly, I lost confidence in myself. That's, that's a massive red flag. If you're losing confidence at that stage, what's it going to be like when you come up to the NFL and struggle? And now your teammates are wondering, well, can he handle this? Is he going to be our leader? Is he a guy that we can count on? That, that you know, maybe he, didn't really mean it in the way he said it, but that scares the hell out of me if I'm somebody evaluating a guy and I'm going to take this guy to be the face of my franchise and be the guy that can kind of turn my franchise around. And, and you know, maybe I'm making too much of that, but, man, I just – I watched Trevor Lawrence just get absolutely destroyed as a rookie in 2021 and then the first part of last year as well and not once did he ever lose any confidence and not once did I hear him ever say I've lost some confidence and not once did anybody ever tell me inside that organization that there was a concern that he lost confidence 
I just think that's a massive, massive issue uh, for me. Um, but, but again, you know, he, he may turn out to be the next Josh Allen. Who knows? But I, I would, I would stay away from him. I'd take all of the other quarterbacks in the first round, Young and, and Stroud and Levis and, and probably Hendon Hooker as well. Uh, before I touched Anthony Richardson, but that's just me. All right, in SEC country where you also are, you get Hendon Hooker who's dealing with an injury. Had Hooker not been injured and working his way back from that, how costly monetarily is that going to be for him? And where would you slot him if he were available for duty here and the now to take off to start the season? Yeah, you know, I, I would have him, me personally, I would probably have him as the number three quarterback behind Shroud and Young. Um, I know Levis is a guy the NFL scouts love. Um, I just, you know, I, 19 touchdown passes in, in 2022 uh, is a little bit of a red flag for me. Um, and he had, you know, two really good receivers that are eventually going to be pro guys. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things that go into that, but I, I really like Hooker. Um, in terms of the athleticism, I think he's he's sort of a, you know, everything you get, you see that you like out of Anthony Richardson, you see it out of Hooker as well. And this guy's more accomplished and he's done it at the SEC level. And he just shredded everybody he faced last year. I, I really liked him. It, it's funny because, you know, it's an ACL, right? Well, that's not a big deal anymore. I mean, the, the 20, 25 years ago, that was a big deal. But ACLs now... I mean, guys are back, you know, eight, nine months from those things now. So, I mean, he's going to fall a little bit, and, and obviously, you know, that'll cost him a little bit of money. But I would be very surprised if he doesn't go, you know, by the early 20s in the first round. I, I really would be surprised if he's available at the top of the second. Can you balance out Levis's season two years ago compared to the season this past year? Obviously, two years ago, uh, looking good and kind of, I, I guess, building that Lexington legend at quarterback. And then last year, you know, I mentioned this, I watched him a couple of times, and it was a struggle a couple of different times. And uh, listen, I, I just kind of take away from what I watch, but I do know this, that he is, as I've talked about since October around here, I mean, firmly in play, and I really haven't heard anything else other than that to this point right now regarding interest in Levis. So how does he transition to the NFL given those two years of evidence and how he played for the Wildcats of Kentucky in your estimation? Uh, you know, he's got the arm strength for sure. And he's a little bit, he's a more accurate passer certainly than, than Richardson is, um, you know, I didn't watch him a ton, and I'm not a scout. I'm not a quarterback guru. I'm not any of that. But when I watch, you know, I've seen games with Richardson and Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Hendon Hooker and, and Will Levis, and I don't remember going wow at any point in watching Levis. Um, and I've said it a bunch with all those other quarterbacks. Um, even Richardson had some wow moments for me. Um, and, again, that's not, you know, I, I'm not – a talent evaluator in terms of knowing exactly what you're looking for in a quarterback. I mean, I know what I see and I know what I like. Um, and there were tons of wow moments in college with, with Trevor Lawrence for sure. And there were tons of wow moments in college, even for Josh Allen. I did see a couple of Josh Allen games there. So um, look, I, I just think he needs to be in the right situation. I think he's a guy that um, I think would be benefited from sitting a year or two to kind of getting acclimated and easing things in there. Um, I don't know if that's 
you know, a, the, the best situation there in Indy um, for him there, to be honest with you, because I think if he's taken, I think he has to play right away. I think he's better than the other two guys. But I think if he ends up with a, a place that he can sit for a year um, and sort of get acclimated and make the transition easier, I think he can be, a, you know, a solid quarterback. Um, but I, I think his ceiling is not as high for me as, you know, a guy like a hooker and, you know, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. It's Mike DiRocco of ESPN.com, covers the Jaguars and the AFC South. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So are we approaching, you know, the one-year anniversary of when John Robinson made that trade with A.J. Brown, and then basically he was, I hate to put it this way, but I will, dead man walking down there in a sense of the direction of that team. Was that the ultimate decision where they decided to go a different direction with Rand Carthon, or did it weigh really much deeper than that, the reason why they made that change at general manager? Um, I, You know, from what I understand, there's a little bit more to it than that, but that was sort of the straw on the camel's back there. Um, he, you have one of the best young receivers in the league and, and you trade him away for an unproven guy that you take in the first round. And, you know, is their season different last year? If, if AJ Brown's on that team, 100%, 100% do they, they may even come into Jacksonville and beat the Jags in that season finale. Um, if Josh Dobbs has AJ Brown to throw the ball to, um, Maybe things are a little bit different in that game. Who knows? But, you know, once that happened, you know, I, I think – I really think Mike Rabel's a really, really good coach. His um, players love him. He's a tough guy. His teams take on that attitude, that physical, tough attitude. They'll punch you in the mouth. Um, and, you know, they will make you beat them for the most part. Um, so I think, you know, there was a little bit of a power struggle there too, it seems like. Uh, and, and the funny thing is, is – is I'm, you know, we're all, you know, up in the years here, I guess, all of us, and we're starting to get those moments where you realize how old you are. I covered Rand Carthon when he was playing at the University of Florida, um, <laughs> yeah. and now he's a GM in the league, and I'm just like, my gosh, I mean, it's just. Well, he was up was here too, weird. yeah. He was up yeah, here, yeah. Yeah, it's just a weird, weird feeling when he got the job. But Rand's, I remember him being a really smart guy way back then, um, really understood football. I remember the coaches talking about how they felt like he would end up as a coach one day, and now here he is as an executive. And, you know, it's it's this first draft that's probably going to define him because, you know, you, you're at the end of Derrick Henry's career probably. Uh, you're definitely getting to the end of Ryan Tannehill's career. So now it's sort of a crossroads for them. What are you going to do here in this first draft? That a, um, that, does it seem like maybe that's a, a good situation for Hendon Hooker, or am I wrong about that? Am I just kind of geographically thinking that that makes sense? Yeah, no, it does, and and certainly you can put him on the bench and let uh, you know Tannehill go for another year, and certainly have Tannehill you know help him learn and adjust. I mean, clearly, clearly they do not have any faith in Malik Hooker. Um, that looks like an awful, awful decision that they made last year. So, yeah, that would be a perfect spot. And to be honest with you, if Will Evans ends up there, I think that's a good spot for him, too. He gets a chance to, you know, Ryan Tannehill's a solid NFL quarterback. There's, you know, you, you win a lot of games with Ryan Tannehill. Certainly they've been in the playoffs with Ryan Tannehill. They were number one seed two years ago with Ryan Tannehill. So, I mean, it's not like he's terrible, but he's getting to the end of his career. So, yeah, that would be a good spot for either one of those guys. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking about that. And then Derek Henry, uh, are they actively shopping, and is there an ounce of interest? Will he 
play in Nashville next year? What what could happen as we move forth into the summer? Yeah, I, I would be surprised um, if he's not there. Now, it's interesting. The team that got mentioned was Philadelphia. Um, you know, that that's an intriguing spot. You know, another intriguing spot, to be honest with you, would be a Buffalo um, you know, a team that is really built to win it all right now and just needs maybe a little bit of extra help. Um, and certainly that would make that Philadelphia run game even better. Um, but, um, you know, are, what are the Titans willing to settle for? Um, you know, what, what are teams willing to give up? That's the other question. But I, I'm expecting him to be there this year. And, and, you know, maybe after that, things are a little different. But I think he'll be there in, in Nashville this year. Hey, Mike, before I let you go, what direction do you think the Jags are going to go? Going to go in this draft coming up this weekend? Yeah, it, it's interesting because, you know, the Jags are, say they have two or three guys that they're expecting could be there. And then they'll have to make that choice between them. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, they could go tight end, they could go corner, they could go pass rusher, or they could go offensive tackle, to be honest with you. And a lot of it depends on who's there. I think if a guy like Lucas Van Ness were to slip and slide to 24, they'd snatch him up. I think if Mike Meyer was there, they would snatch him up. Um, Deontay Banks, uh, the corner, uh, if he somehow manages to get down there, um, then, you know, then they have an interesting choice there as well. And, and offensive tackle – is a sneaky need for this team, too, because Cam Robinson, the left tackle, is probably in his last year here. Got a massive cap number next year, and the team can save almost $18 million by releasing him. So that's a need that they have to fill. And, and if a guy like um, you know, Darnell Wright is there, boom, match that guy up, and you're all set going forward. And uh, they're, they're in that unique spot now where when you have the quarterback and you've got the offensive weapons that they have, um, you know, you're going to be in a ton of games and you're going to be a team that can compete for AFC championships. So, you know, that gives you a little bit of a leeway to take a guy like, a, a, you know, an Anton Harrison or a Wright that, that you may not absolutely put on the field all the time this year, but is ready to go, take over going forward. So they could go in a lot of different directions. It really just kind of depends on how everything falls and if somebody slides down the board quicker than we think. Yeah, we used to have that feeling about the quarterback situation around here. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that feeling is now lost. It, uh, it, it and it and it changed like immediately. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. that was. I mean, yeah. it's just so suddenly. And and I still remember that night. I'm sitting there and and I see a tweet come across <laughs> Schefter's tweet, and I'm like, "This has got to be spoofed. This has got to be yeah. raw." I mean, someone's impersonating Schefter, and then I, you know, then and it turned out to be right, and it was the. I was just stunned, absolutely stunned when it happened. A wise man that wore number 18 around here once said, if you're in in March, especially as a quarterback, you're in for the season. That's your deadline. So everybody looks on it like that. <laughs> it's still, still spinning the wheels around here. I will say this, too, regarding the quarterback situation here, Mike. I think that maybe – the dynamic could have changed had Philip Rivers decided to squeeze out one more season as they had hoped to. They didn't have him contractually for two years, but it was kind of a gentleman's conversation that if things work out on both sides and they have success, that you know maybe he would think about coming back for a second year. And 
And then obviously they started down that path of Wentz. And then, you know, after that debacle in Jacksonville, right there before you at the end of the regular season, year before last, that's when, you know, the mandate came down from Jim Irsay. Anybody, anybody, get rid of they, I mean, it, he was honestly, Wentz was lucky he had a flight back with the team according to the owner then so that's that's how you ended up with matt ryan and thinking he's better than he was and that's a 412 and one spectacularly awesome season that's where we are right now to date one of those four came against the jags though matt ryan had what his best game of the season that day yeah there in uh, in indianapolis i remember that game (laughs) that was uh what it was like 405 of 407 passing i mean he couldn't miss he just absolutely couldn't miss that day. I'm going to put that in a glass case around here someplace. Yeah, well, you know, you take them when you can get them, right? Yep. I mean, it's <laughs> you have to because if you don't, it gets depressing. Man, it's always great to talk with you. Enjoy the draft. We'll catch up, I'm sure, uh, during the season. Get some rest and then fire back up, and we'll see what the hell goes on within the AFC South coming up in 2023. But it's always a pleasure, Mike. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. you got Mike Duraco of ESPN.com. AFC South. I do think Tennessee is a little bit interesting there. What are they, 11th overall? Are they going to take the uh, quarterback that's not taken? Make it down to 11? It seems like maybe that the Hinden Hooker thing, and I'm, no, I'm just kind of basing this upon geographics here. Nothing really else, but. Kind of sounds like maybe that could be it. All right, quick break and we'll come back. I've got time for you. In fact, I believe we are clear for the remainder. So if any of you folks want to jump on board, you can. Uh, clowns included, 239-1070. Email the address at jamvia1075thefan.com. Yeah, I haven't figured out with this whole Twitter thing yet, uh, the whole mentions normally the mentions whenever i'm in a mention it just like drops down and now i got to go back to the original tweet and then drop it down and look at the mentions i feel bad because i seem like a jackass and i'm ignoring you and i'm not something i need to figure out here somebody much smarter than me needs to figure out quick break and we'll come back me and you and the other side five o'clock hour as well and again we'll get back to yesterday and some of the thoughts of rick venturi on the show who was outstanding this is 93.5 and 107.5 the fan life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits no skips Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Which are the second team? We're the first team. Yeah, we're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? It should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania's Kyle Kadezovich and Donnie Iris. Hey, by the way, that was a clip from Beverly Hills Cop. Do you know who was first choice to play? Axel Foley's role in Beverly Hills Cop. See if you can guess. Anybody? Anybody? Sylvester Stallone. 
Stallone. Really? Stallone was the first choice. I cannot imagine. I that. think Eddie Murphy was like fifth on the list, and there, he, I think Murphy. I saw an old Letterman where Murphy had actually said that there were Henry Howard Rollins was in front of him. He even joked about maybe Jimmy Walker being in front of him as far as that role was concerned. But they wanted initially Sylvester Stallone, but Stallone obviously wasn't funny, that funny at all, and uh, wanted to make it more of an action film than they wanted it to be. They wanted it to be a comedic action film. I think so. you should get Eddie Murphy Raw's outfit I'm gonna tell you. and do the takeover one night in the outfit. I should. <laughs> what? Or I'm out somewhere. <laughs> Filth, florin, 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 filth. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, Eddie, Eddie Murphy had Bill Cosby pegged long before any of us did. Let me tell you that. Filth, florin, 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 filth. Dad, he said these things. He said this stuff. <laughs> so good. Actually, I will say this raw, delirious is good all the way through. Uh, Eddie Murphy Raw, I give it about 40 minutes, and then it fades. But Delirious, the original, is good all the way through. Uh, Mike DiRocco, podcast 1075thefan.com. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. We go back to back there, both podcast 1075thefan.com. I mentioned yesterday both Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network and uh, Rick Venturi for an hour. Rick Venturi hits you with everything. Every conceivable angle, nearly every name, not just first round number four overall, but second round 35, third round 79, 108, 38, 162. Numbers are small here. Like one was at 178 and then in the 200s. He gave you all that stuff. Introduced a new quality in a player called E.T., along with the Morse Reservoir All-Stars. That podcast is outstanding. If you missed a second of it yesterday, that is your prep for the draft beginning on Thursday. Uh, Rick Venturi was great. Meantime, 239-1070. I've got a wide-open window for a while. I'm going to double back to my thoughts on Jimmy Butler. How can something, because I love basketball, be so great to watch but so stinking annoying as well? How can that be? How can I so love somebody? By the way, I was so happy he went for 56 and not 55 because we'd have to hear double nickel the entire time. So I was glad about that. But how can something be, in basketball terms, so spectacular but so annoying at the same time? Get to that coming up in a minute. Matthew is up first today at 239-1070. Hello, Matthew. How are you? Hey, JMV. I'm doing well. How are things in the state of Maine? You know that on the JMV Takeover Saturday night, I got a call from Angela listening on the app from Vermont. True story. That is amazing. I don't know who Angela is, but I love the fact that that show is taking over the East Coast and the Northeast. I feel really good about that. Yep. Yep. That's how it starts. Yeah. I'm telling you, we're going to Nova Scotia before it's said and done. When I get a call from Nova Scotia, I'm cashing it all in right there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what do you got, Matthew? All right. I don't know if I'm getting set up, but the lounge wants me to ask you what you think about the Roadhouse remake with Jake Gyllenhaal. I've never seen the original Roadhouse. Um, uh, well, here's the thing. I do like Jake Gyllenhaal. 
I, I do. A lot of people think I don't. I do. I love the movie Jarhead that he was in. I love Jake Gyllenhaal, good actor. Um, but there are just some things that you should never do again. And messing with the history that is the late, great Swayze would be one of those. I mean, it is perfect. And we've seen this before, no matter who the actor is. I mean, they even did that with, with Samuel L. Jackson, who was an awesome actor. He redid Shaft, and it sucked. I mean, Richard Roundtree is always going to be Shaft. I love Samuel L. Jackson, but he's not Shaft. Richard Roundtree is. So don't mess in the world of the thereafter or the hereafter with Swayze. You never mess with that. So while I'll probably watch it once it hits HBO or something, I sure as hell don't care about it. And I wish that the Hollywood folks would have kept that money in their pockets and left it alone. What do you think? Gotcha. Is that is that a good presentation? What do you think? What do they think? What are they saying? I need to read. I haven't read. Oh, they're loving it. Can't mess with the sways. If you want to screw around with dirty dancing, I mean, they've already screwed around with Red Dawn and made it awful, right? I mean, if you want to screw around with the Outsiders again or Grandview USA, or if you want to do something with Ghost, then go right ahead, but don't screw around with the Sways and Roadhouse. I mean, they tried a sequel, and it was an absolute disaster. I, I mean, I, I'm surprised they spent a buck on that. So, yeah, I'm compelled to tell you that I have a great deal of emotion for that. That was stupid. Anything else, Matthew? Uh, they also wanted me to do some main slang, but no one would get that besides me. So I think well, no, no, no. I, I do get it. What's uh, um, what's the the buzzword? Because I know that uh, uh, Fallon used to use that all the time in that bit that he did uh, out of Boston on SNL. What's the the major descriptive word when something's Wicked. outrageous or awesome? Wicked. Wicked. Yeah. Well done. We'll jump back in there and give them what forth regarding Swayze and making a remake of that. I love Gyllenhaal, though, but not that much. All right, will do. Thank you. Matthew, thank you very much. I mean, yeah, screw around with all this other crap. I mean, Ghost. Yeah, do whatever you want to with that. Ugh. Dirty dancing. God. Ugh. I mean, even if you want to, you're like, she's like the wind. Go ahead. Somebody remake that. Like who's who's new? Like one of the one of the brothers do that. Like some Jonah, Jonas, one of those Jonas dudes do that. Do that. Don't blank around with Roadhouse, and you do. And I like Jillian Hall a great deal. Uh, Tom's up next at two three nine ten seventy. Thank you, Matthew, for that question. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, I don't even know where to start. I got a bunch of stuff I want to relate to you, but uh, I got to tell you, you should put together a T-shirt that says "Ball Placement Specialist." <laughs> I should. There's no doubt. That's a shout out right there, Tom. That's a hell of an idea to our friends so, at the shop so, in Broad Ripple and Carmel. That's Brian and that's Alex right now. Ball Placement Specialist, and especially if he's drafted here, that's got to be on a T-shirt for sure. So here's I'm going to pull together the two things that I love about listening to you, which is the the uh, JMV takeover and what we're talking about, like ad nauseum this this last month on the talk radio. Is it's it's do you remember when you were spinning the tunes and there'd be one that was like uber popular and you played it until you got so sick of it you couldn't stand to hear it right. one more time. Right. And then a year later you're like, oh yeah, this was great. But then half of those songs like never 
got any play down the road because there's always got to be a number one song, right? So I'm, it's what it feels like right now with these quarterbacks is that I'm listening to these and people are have talked themselves into and now talked themselves out of and talked back into every one of these guys right. for reasons. And, and it's it there's no consistent data. So the guy that you have on during the NFL season that's talking about like – the, and I can't remember his name, and I apologize. I'm, I'm going to be vague enough that you probably don't even remember who I'm talking about. But the, did we but not? The hey, hold on from, one second, Tom. I'll let you finish here. Did we call him the other day? Is it Ben Brown? Ben Brown. I think so. Yeah, he is our um, our state of Minnesota nerd numbers cruncher right there. Ben Brown every Tuesday from PFF. Continue, Tom. So, so he's the guy that it would seem like these quarterbacks because over the last 20 years, there's been what, maybe 10 or 15 of these guys that you knew going in, they were going to be great. And the rest of them weren't right. So you didn't know ahead of time that Brady was going to be Brady. You didn't know ahead of time that uh, say uh, Josh Allen was going to be Josh Allen and not somebody else, but somewhere along the line, it seems like the the underlying data has got to be there of what really distinguishes the ones that are destined to have longevity versus the ones that don't. And I just, it's so hard for me to watch this because it feels like there, there should be a way to distinguish the Carson Wentz's from the, you know, the other ones. Um, and it's, it's just, so for a GM, you know, it, it, it's got to be a pretty rough position for them to yeah, be in to say, look, yeah. we just don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, and then, and then, I mean, it just comes down to, you don't know until they're in that decision-making situation and they jump through all the right hoops. That's that's it. And that's, that's one of the things about this draft at the top with quarterbacks like that. It is weird to have the availability of four to five, if you want to include Hooker here, but substantial pokings of holes in all of them. Because as much as you can talk about how you believe they're going to be great and how you believe they're going to be different, you can also come up with a decent argument as to why. And I mean significant arguments as to why they won't. I just think this draft with that position in mind, because it is the most important in athletics, in professional sports, a quarterback, I just think this class, this top group makes it different. Because of that, because you can say great things about them and then you can match that up against equally negative things about their game, their overall game. And you're right. I mean, oftentimes it's just rolling the dice. What you like over one guy over the other, the margin of error right there um, certainly can be substantial. But the margin uh, between decision of one of the other is probably fairly tight, without a doubt. What do you got? What else? Well, the only other thing I would say, sir, is don't ever stop with the 80s stuff because Never. you just, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll go a little deeper in the movies. Uh, One Crazy Summer, oh, uh, Better Off Dead, Real Genius, uh, yes. any of those, man, I just can't get enough of it. Oh, I mean, Cusack, and thank you for the call, Tom. Oh, Cusack's solid. I watched, I was watching last night, what the hell was it? Um, um, Hot Tub Time Machine. I was thinking last night watching Hot Tub Time Machine, how much better that could have been if I would have been involved. And I don't think that that's out of the realm. It could have been so much better if you had just picked up the phone and go, hey, you know what? This is like 1986. Could you add a little bit of your depth to this? I mean, I know Hot Tub Time Machine, ah, but it could have been so much better. 
Just give me a call. Quick one. We'll come back. DeRocco and Holder both gave us a call a little bit earlier regarding the draft coming up on Thursday, round number one. Podcast with each, 1075thefan.com. And I will also tell you that Stephen Holder had a bit of a conversation with Jim Ursay, Colts owner, that you can read about. Again, that's ESPN.com. Rick Venturi and Daniel Jeremiah on the show yesterday. That podcast is up there as well. Quick one. Back with you next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. The f- lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. I like Levis. I, I think that Levis is a very outstanding prospect. I think, you know, the, he has a tremendous gun. I mean, he has a tremendous arm. There isn't any question about it. He makes NFL throws. He throws the dig routes, the out routes. It's not, He's not just a run and heave guy. He can make those throws. And because he hasn't played on great teams, he can make off-platform throws. That is, he can be rushed. He can throw off the back foot. He can throw, you know, in bad positions and make tremendous plays. Now, there is an element to him where he forces the ball. I put that in a little bit of context. I'm not going to absolve it because it is what it is. But remember, Andrew Luck had 173 touchdowns and 83 interceptions. So it's not impossible for a good guy to do that. I do think what happens in context, because I've coached with bad teams, is you get a quarterback with a bad team, and basically what he has to do, he has to make every play. And so there are times when he is going to force the ball when he shouldn't, and it's head-scratching, and you say, how the heck did that happen? So that's something you're going to have to evaluate in this process to see if that is correctable, if it's uh, concentration error, or if it's just something trying to make plays. It is Rick Venturi right there from yesterday. The podcast, 107.5thefan.com. He was talking about Will Levis on the show yesterday. Will Levis's odds to go number one overall in the draft on Thursday. Earlier today was plus 4,000. And as of noon, I think it was Calvin Fitch up in Kokomo that let me in on that. As of noon, it was plus 400. And here is what many people believe is the reason why. Uh, And again, this is just an anonymous tweet from something called the R slash S sportsbook, or check that, R slash sportsbook. Will Levis is currently plus 4,000 to be the first overall pick. Well, ladies and gentlemen, he's telling friends and family Carolina will, in fact, take him on Thursday. You're welcome. So I don't know if that's moving the number, but people are suggesting that's moving the number, which is incredibly silly. But this is what you get. This is the normalcy of the days leading up to the NFL draft, especially when you have so many quarterbacks that are needed with 
multiple goods and multiple bads. A lot of skepticism, a lot of hope. Quick break and we'll come back. I mentioned Jimmy Butler's 56 last night, which was incredible. But the reason why it was also annoying at the same time, you got to be with me on that. And your calls at 239-1070, an hour of you and me talking sports, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Don't go away. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Lisa, three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I don't think that Stroud is clearly number two like a lot of people do. Stroud is a guy who is maybe on in the college game is the most consistent guy in all things. You know, he's very, very accurate, very good release, you know, does those things. He has, you know, he's great, great percentage statistics, which I don't put too much, you know, too much into in the college game, but he does. Uh, he has that. He's very, very accurate with the ball, good ball placement. Um, and, you know, I think that part of it's good. Stroud is a guy that I give him credit for consistency, but of the all of them, of all of them, to me, he just has the fewest wow plays. In other words, if, if he were a gymnast, I would give him a lot of sevens and a lot of eights, but I don't know that I'd ever give him a ten. Okay, now, the other thing, and it you know, whether or not it should be a factor or not, it is to me. He plays the game in a rock and chair at Ohio State. Okay, he's got he's going to have five number one top draft pick receivers in the last two years. He's got an offensive line of top draft picks. So he very seldom gets pressure. He very seldom is out of rhythm. And, you know, basically Ohio State is better than everybody they play till they get in the finals. I mean, it's really that simple. And they, ha- and they run an offense that is a, trem- a true college offense, not a pro offense, which is a one-look read and go. It's not a big processing thing. The biggest problem that I have is it's not going to be like that in the NFL. You're going to play with dirty pockets, cave pockets, a lot of blitzing. And when that happened to him in college, his efficiency really, really falls off. It really falls off the table. And so that is a a little bit of a problem that I have with him. Now, again, if you draft him, you're going to get a guy with a really good arm and release. And so you've got a lot to work with. So Rick Venturi from yesterday regarding C.J. Stroud. Podcast with Rick Venturi and Daniel Jeremiah, easily found 107.5thefan.com. Welcome back. Stephen Holder, Mike Narocco, also there in what we like to call Podcastville, 107.5thefan.com. Regarding the AFC South, we talked with Mike Narocco about what the other teams may or may not be doing. And then the position that Jacksonville finds themselves in, is a position that the Colts used to be comfortable as a part of. Having your quarterback building around you, uh, 
You know, Rick said one thing yesterday that really stuck out to me. And it was regarding how Bill Polian built this team. Obviously, you had the quarterback and you built around the quarterback. And you could see, positionally speaking, exactly what mattered to him in putting together that team. What mattered more than some of the other positions. You could see it. And when Rick brought that up and brought up what certainly has been an issue around here, obviously it's easy to point out the quarterback and say, hey, circle that there's the main problem. But they just had difference makers at positions that you win with difference makers. Quarterback, wide receiver, ends. He's had difference makers there. Playmaking ability is what you got. And that's what you got to try to find yourself getting back to. It's just kind of piecing this together, talking about depth, and then never realizing any level of depth because you look at the starters that you have and non-essential positions or where you're going for a lot of these guys that either are supposed to be the best or maybe they are. But that was a huge difference between how Bill Polian, I know you're talking about decades ago, but that still holds true today. That's why you go into this draft and you find out what you want. You target your quarterback, and then the guy that you brought in that you believe in as the head coach, you let him mold that together. And not one person out there ever referenced Shane Steichen as the quarterback whisperer, and I'll be fine with it. Not one. Because every time that's brought up regarding Frank Reich, you are always remembering how there apparently wasn't much whispering going on or maybe somewhere between whisper and the ears it was lost in translation because it just wasn't real. But the reason why you brought this guy in the reason why is your head coach is to mold that position. If you're going to, again, detail, as I talked about this earlier, I haven't looked at my resume in 23 years. It's good. But at the top of the Shane Steichen resume, I would suggest would be working with top-notch quarterbacks. You're going to draft one coming up on Thursday night that's not going to have at that moment all the necessary pieces. You just want to draft the one that's going to be the most capable of playing quarterback. All this other stuff to me about, well, that guy's not a leader, and this guy, you know, the, the not really coachable, whatever. Make them that. All right? Build them into that. Confidence builds into leadership. Confidence is at the top of the pyramid of quality of a leader, having that confidence. Build somebody into that. Make somebody be coachable because that is the most important position in professional sports. So that stuff I'm not as worried about. Being able to play the position, I'd be worried about that. You know, wondering. So I don't know if you draft a quarterback that you don't believe or you hope, but. 
That, to me, is one thing that you have to know about your selection. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, Stephen Holder, I know that Chris Ballard said last Friday that they they don't really know what's going to go on in front of them. I mean, I listen, I'm I'm hoping that they do. Because as of right now, you seem pretty comfortable in staying at four. So either you know something that no that we the common folks don't, and you're comfortable that your player is going to be there. I just don't know if I'd be telling everybody that we're sitting back and you're kind of waiting to see how the board goes, and then you take what's given to you. I don't think anybody around here wants that, or anybody around here is looking for that. Man, Rick was really good yesterday. Again, that podcast, 107.5thefan.com, into the 5 o'clock hour. Hey, I've got a little bit of freedom for us all right here. If you guys want to chime in about that and anything else at 239-1070, that is the number. We'll get you on in here, get you on hold, and we'll talk up whatever you want to talk about. I did want to bring this up because I absolutely love the NBA postseason. And anybody who's just eternally cranky, and wants to complain about everything. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, that's not real basketball. Oh, whatever. I don't listen to that. I watch these incredibly large humans be so stinking athletically gifted. Every single night, I just kind of wonder, wow. And last night was an oh, wow moment for me. I haven't always been the biggest fan of Jimmy Butler. But I am a big fan of... And players making it into a moment. And he certainly made last night into a moment. Now, where the Miami Heat are up three games to one in a best of seven against the one seed Milwaukee, which is absolutely incredible. Giannis was playing last night, too. But you watch that game for Jimmy Butler. And believe me, as a Pacer fan, you've seen him do that work during the regular season here before. It's incredible. Shot-making ability, timely shot-making ability. That dude dunked uh, after a steal and hung on the rim for about an hour. And I'm glad that Mark Davis didn't pull the old technical out when easily you could have. But here's one thing that does bug me. And I'm curious how you feel about it. I don't want to make this into an anti-NBA argument. Let's just make fun of the officials sometimes. Because I don't know why that it is. But if you watch and... I think it is so commonplace anymore that, you know, even the analysts like Reggie Miller, they don't go into much detail on it. And you know what you're going to get when you ask whomever, Monty McCutcheon or whomever, to uh, give you a breakdown on what the official just called because they're always going to go with the officials. But how many of those calls last night, those foul calls, could you pick out as, wait a minute, there was no contact there? Jimmy Butler always gets the call. My man just ribbles into contact and gets the call. I loved what he did last night. I love the performance. That stuff drives me nuts. I mean, you could say that that's basketball, but it's not really basketball. Just driving directly into somebody and throwing the ball up is not really basketball. And then getting that call, I mean, you're getting a call. You're getting a call that basically 98% of the rest of the NBA doesn't get. I won't get if they did the same thing. I mean, how many other players out there you think would just like pick up the ball and then drive into somebody and throw it up and it's going to get a foul call? 
I love the performance last night, but this has been something I've been very consistent about. That form of officiating drives me insane. Now, it's great because it brings up a little bit of conversation, a little bit of content. We can roll with it. That's great. But that officiating drives me nuts. I like to make fun of these guys, and I do realize this. All the guys I make fun of, all the name guys, Mark Davis, Scott Foster, Tony Brothers, you guys have noticed, right, these guys are always in the most important games. So something has been lost here between what I feel about them and what the NBA and those that determine who will officiate the highest level of games, the type of confidence they have. So clearly I'm wrong and they're right. Those guys, all the guys we can't stand are directly involved in all of these big games. So I guess I don't know a damn thing. I guess. I watched that last night and as much as I thought that that was absolutely awesome. This guy gets call after you just run into somebody. There was one. You guys see that last night? Joe Ingles. I don't know the last time I saw, and I know you could say, well, maybe on a blockout or something. Okay, when was the last time you saw somebody foul an offensive player with his ass? I mean, Ingles, just wait a minute. He was trying to get his ass out of the way, but he just couldn't because he'd been sitting on the bench all year and it kind of got a little bit bigger like it will on all of us when we get older. And he just he couldn't maneuver it all out of the way. And Butler just, hey, Butler just drives right into his ass cheek. And, oh, yeah, foul. <laughs> I thought, what? I love the performance. Love it. And he's a dude that you would love to have on your team this time of year. I mean, even before that performance, you know that to be true. But the constant foul calls that guy gets drives me insane. And there were more than a couple last night. My man was on fire, though. On fire. The human torch. 56 in Miami's win. That's the other thing, too. I can't stand Miami. I mean, it's like they deserve it, right? Miami fans deserve that. Now, that was a hell of a performance. I, I do say this. I, I think Spolster, I know a lot of people make fun of Spolster for hanging around so long and not being that great of a coach. I think when you're able to put something together like that, consistently like that, you're pretty damn good. Well, a lot can be said. Hanging around, you know, just playing off of Pat Riley, whatever. But that, a lot can be said about being a top-notch coach. But that has been fantastic. You get the Lakers, you get the Grizzlies last night as well. Man, you just, it, it's tough. you got to be all in. You got to be all in on this villain stuff. I mean, you can't be halfway in and halfway out. You can't be asked about it and say, well, the reason I got kicked out of that game is because now, you know, the media and the fans portray me as the villain. Now, you're the one, if you're Dylan Brooks, that stepped in and relished that role, and you got to be able to back it up. You can say what you want. Say what you want about the the lame beers and the Mahorns. You know, all these villains of the past. Oakley, Mason, go up and down the line of these villains, which I love that style of basketball. I think somebody needs to be. Makes it more interesting. 
But for the most part, these guys always backed it up. Yeah, you get suspended from a game. And he looked terrible last night. What is he now from the field? Like something, uh, what is it, 7 of 22, something from the field? I mean, he's an absolute mess. You've got to be able to back it up. And see, some guys want to be the villain, want to stand out and don't back it up. I want him to be able to back it up because I think it makes it more interesting. He just hasn't. That's not since he got tossed. Got to be able to do that. That's one thing that the bad boy era and then the, the rough era of the 1990s that brought you. Most of these guys found a way to back it up. And certainly they wouldn't run from it. I mean, they embraced it. I mean, you can't want to be that guy and then lose confidence, lose your shot, see your game falling apart, and then want to run away from it and blame the media and the fans. You can't do that. All right, that and more at 239-1070. Let's start with James here in the 5 o'clock hour. James, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, great day to be. Hey, I don't know where to start, man. I mean, I started to watch basketball when the 86 finals with the Rockets and the uh, Celtics, man, and uh, people were fighting back then. Love they didn't it. like each other. Right. You know. Love and it. That's the difference now. Is everybody, everybody likes each other. Everybody gets along. Nobody wants to cause trouble. And we I, we dig, guys, James, don't we? We dig on that angst. It's okay to have some angst in a basketball game, especially when so yeah. much is on the line. I think we dig that. That that makes it even yeah. better. I, we want to know that. So I like it. Yeah. I just I just wish that we could do more and get rid of all this uh, fouling. You know, if it doesn't stop you from shooting and making a shot, you're just trying to run into somebody. It's ridiculous, man. Yeah, that's the only thing I don't like. Like Jimmy Butler, if he played here, thank you, James, for the call. I love it. Because that's just – he's going to go – he's what you want in a player. He's going to go out and he's going to get it. Now, the foul calls drive me nuts. They got to drive you nuts too. I mean, there's nobody ass. Nobody's ass is going to be fouling you. That last night was incredible, though. I so enjoyed it. I – for the life of me, I know that some out there are put off by the NBA. And I laugh at times. Last night, I think Giannis had like a 12-step and one. And I know sometimes it's comical, but it's still entertaining. How are you not entertained by that? You got to see the 12-step and one. <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, Mark Davis was in there. Mark Davis just kind of loses it a little bit sometimes. See, Fitch writes this. Have you talked about the Colts trading up to number one to get Levis? No, I haven't because they won't. How do you like them apples, See, Fitch? I have not. I have not because they won't. Exactly why I didn't talk about Lamar Jackson, because they weren't going to. I'd love to. Believe me, I'd love to for the sake of the content. I'd be all here for that content, but there's really no reason to. Because it's not going to happen. Mark Tinsley writes this. The Pacer fans have been dying for someone who plays with Butler's intensity and passion. He actually gives a damn. The Heat team is what we want the Pacers to be. Hardworking, next man up, and no excuses. I Listen, I cannot dispute that at all. 
I would love it. You would love it. But I will say this. The foul calls make me laugh. Try that one of these days. Like, get in a pickup game later on tonight. Just, like, dribble into somebody and call a foul. <laughs> Wait a minute. Just do that. I know what's different. Ryan's online, too. Ryan, hello. Hey, Ryan, I'm hey, here. Go ahead, brother. I'm here. Hey, I just want to say, I grew up in that era where, uh, God, Anthony Mason and Charles Oakley were my gods when I first started. But with the guards that they had back then, Anthony Mason could pop somebody and they would be down on the ground for 20 minutes. Right. Jimmy Jimmy Butler or LeBron James or some of these guys are built like NFL linebackers. They didn't have guards like that back then. So when he's going in and he's slamming into people, Jimmy Butler in particular, um, not a fan, but I watched last night and it's just, it's his body type. You gotta, you gotta be able to absorb that contact and there's not many forwards or centers or anybody in the world that can handle that right now. So like when it comes down to it, yeah, is he getting a lot of foul shots? Yeah. But guards weren't built by that back in the day. Well, I would say this. Thank you, Ryan, for the call. I mean, guys, the guys of the NBA, you know, back in the air in which you're talking about, got to the foul line too. I mean, they went in there and drew fouls. I just, I, the, the thing about just dribbling blatantly into somebody and getting a whistle, that's a joke to me. And I know I'm biased because I think some of these NBA officials are clowns but it makes it more interesting for me. But just the whole dribbling into somebody and getting a whistle is lame. You don't want that. I understand what you're talking about. I mean, just look, I mentioned just a couple of times last night, probably more than a couple. I mean, guys are backing away, you know, trying to get out of position and he's making contact, you know, get the whistle. I'm going to tell you, sometimes these dudes, sometimes the officials get caught up in the moment, too. They're human. They're going to say they're professional. That's great. Best in the world. Fantastic. But they're going to get caught up in the moment. I'm like, how many times, and believe me, I'm glad that they didn't call it technical, but how many times are you going to be able to do that to the rim after that steal and flush and somebody is not going to pee in the punch bowl there? and throw a technical at you. Most of the time it will. It's just in that moment you're not going to do that. I get that. That's fine. That's actually probably a good call. Or I'll take that back. That is a good decision. Make no mistake. I'm not mad at the game that he had. But that has always been a point that I've had regarding him. Driving in and just getting whistles for no reason. That can drive you nuts. That was last night it was great, though. It was great. Yeah, you got to be a villain. When you're a villain, you got to be able to back that up. That's a tough role. That is a tough role. It is an especially tough role. Like when you were a villain then, you didn't get to go immediately to your smartphone and or device to see what everybody was calling you and how everybody felt about you. I mean, these guys basically would just go home. I mean, they would hear it in the arena and then go home. If you want to be a real villain, there is a lot you have to juggle. 
But you have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing to go through with it. And then you have to be able to back it up and actually play well. You cannot go into a hole and then blame the media and the fans for it. Because that is a role that you embraced. Robert is next at 239-1070. Hello, Robert. Hey, JMB. Thanks for taking my call. Damn right, Robert. Go ahead, brother. Hey, you know, you mentioned something a while back. You know, we're about the same age. So, you know, you talked about it. The generation of, you know, we lived through the glory days of Colts. We've seen, we've seen the best of it. We've seen the greatest of it. I'm just kind of curious, you know, one, a couple things. One, what do you think, if, if I asked you right now, what do you think they're going to do at quarterback? That's my first thing. Yeah. And then the second thing is, who do you think's more excited about this draft? People from our generation or the younger fans now? Well, we've got almost a generation coming up here. They don't know the taste of what uh, Super Bowl victory or Lombardi or – or, you know, uh, AFC South title. They don't know what that feels like. So who do you think is more excited? Hey, Robert, I, I think right there? now, hey, Robert, I think this is a a juiceless team for everybody, all ages until yeah. further notice. Yeah. In, in your famous words, the jackassery and the numbnuttery, right? <laughs> no doubt. Robert, yeah. thank you very much. And by the way, I think it's going to be Will Levis at number four. Now, I say that now. And you draft a quarterback, and if it's Levis, if it's Stroud, if it's Richardson, there's going to be somebody, a percentage of somebody, of Colts fans that will get juiced about that. I'm just talking in the now. That is the chief reason as to why, besides getting better and being believable and getting better again, the reason why you need to draft a quarterback and move forward finally on this is because, again, after a 4-12-1 season, there's no juice here, and there hasn't been in a while, and you've been told this. I'll give Colts fans a great deal of credit. You have been told everything. How much they're going to win, how much you should be excited. Talked about the trophies. Talked about everybody being in. You know, the depth of the team, the talent of the team. You've been told all of this. Rarely here have they shown you any evidence of that. It's time to do it now. It is time to do it. And let's face it, if you're Chris Ballard, you get a reboot, you're going to have a three-year window. I know a lot of you bristle at that, but that's the way it's going to go down. You're going to have a three-year window to make this right. So that starts coming up on Thursday. And he asked between generationally speaking, I would say this, I would say the younger generation in your 20s, late 20s, you know, find some tickets, have some disposable income, come out to a, a show on Friday and win some tickets. I mean, there's a lot that goes in that you want to be a part of that too. I mean, I, I prop up and I love being a part of bullseyeeventgroup.com and the Colts VIP tailgate. I mean, there's a lot more now than there was years ago for my generation and, you know, even older generations. There's a lot more that comes with that game day experience. 
but the overall package of sale right here is getting any semblance of hope. Because really, I mean, you've seen it all. You've seen a disastrous decision that led to a bad season. You've seen a bounce back with a veteran quarterback. You were sold something on a quarterback that never worked out. And then, you know, at the end of the season, embarrassed by that play, you were told the veteran quarterback from Atlanta is going to come in, change all the opportunities, be what you've been looking for. Uh, That was absolutely a disaster. Jeff Saturday comes in. That didn't work. This is all going to have to work. And there is a lot of a, even in going in year number seven of Chris Ballard, there's a lot of grassroots effort going on here. And it sounds weird like he's getting a pass. I mean, it's not me, but that's what is going on. And it starts coming up on Thursday. A string of sound decisions that, first things first, can build a little bit of hope that transitions into excitement around here. That's not BS. That's the absolute truth. Quick one, we'll come back inside the lounge via YouTube Live with Brian, Sean, and Stefan waiting on deck. Thoroughgood of the Destroyers and Grand Prix tickets coming up before the top of the hour. Stephen Holder, Mike Duraco, podcast 1075thefan.com. Quick break. Back with you next. Don't go away. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. All right, so evidently, what is Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center? Kyle, Jimmy, what does that hold out there? Because I've heard a lot more people that plan on going to see Pearl Jam in September than clearly they are going to have space at Ruoff Home Mortgage Music Center. (laughs) Am I right about that? I am. I believe is that on the same day as the Colts opener? Do we? I don't think we know. Do we know yet anything? I don't think we know. But I've heard from everybody, and everybody apparently is going. I mean, everybody is going. Looks like the occasional person that does not want to go see Pearl Jam, but I'm going to suggest ninety plus percent of the people here in Central Indiana plan on going. That's my guess. All right, 239-1070. Stefan's been on hold. Join the show, Stefan. How are you? Hey. Hello, Stefan. I'm here hey, with Jay. you. Can you hear me, Jay? I got you, bro. Go ahead. Hey, tell them they bet not. Chris Ballard better get fired if he doesn't draft Will Anderson if we don't have the quarterback they want. I don't think he's going to do that, Stefan, and he's not going to get fired. He better. <laughs> he's not. He's going to have three years to get the Stefan, where are you going? Does Stefan hang up on me? Damn. That's the first time Stefan's ever hung up on me. 
No, he's not going to do that. There's no way. They're not going to move up to one. You know, they're not going to go for a defensive player. They're not going to forgo that and wait until next year. Apparently, Houston's ploy, reportedly. Yeah, they're not going to let Gardner Minshew be their guy next year and wait until, hey, Caleb Williams and those sweeps. They're not going to do any of that. They're going to draft somebody at four. Now, I will say this. Is there a chance that they may have somebody hard-targeted that they feel compelled to move up to number three. That is the the only adjustment to what I believe is going to happen that I'll make. It has just felt like this has been for a, a team that is in an arms race right now with guys already established in the AFC, and then you're in an arms race trying to compete with those that are trying to reestablish. You got to have somebody. And they have been seemingly very comfortable in the position that they are in. So the question you would have to ask is, do they know something? Which I'm assuming they do. Or they don't, and you're just kind of sitting back and waiting on it. Like all of us have been talking about this for months now, and everybody's worn out on it, but it, it seems like a very cool and confident bunch and you got this word of mouth and social media and betting odds you get all this stuff swirling around you and you know it seems like that they're cool with hanging where they're hanging i'm going to suggest they know something i don't think there's anything wrong with that i, I hope that you do you're supposed to uh, Brian's next at 239-1070. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, JB. How you doing, buddy? I am fantastic. What's up? Hey, well, you know, I, I cap a lot of college football. I mean, I watch probably three times more college football than, you know, than your average Joe. But just for my two cents, if they get any chance at all to get uh, C.J. Stroud, then, you know, I mean, that kid, you know, I, I, I mean, I like Coach Rick, but. You know, if he said he hasn't seen, didn't see wild plays, I mean, Georgia was nothing but wild plays. Now, that's and, what compelled you know, me to stake my claim to him. I mean, and, are you, are you I, drafting a kid by, you know, what he can do in the future or what he did in college? You know, I mean, he showed you his potential well, in that game to dodge traffic and make throws under duress. I, I would not, I would not, Brian, with me, I would not take my advice because I am taking a very small sample size. When he was kicking the crap out of Georgia – on his own, I know that he had talent around him, but he was moving, he was mobile, throwing on the run, he was doing stuff that didn't necessarily mean that he had receivers wide open by 10 yards, like everybody exactly. takes him down for. I, I, I saw playmaking ability at the ultimate level, and I swear to you, that's what I want here. That's what everybody should want here. Then you got then you got Will Levis who couldn't beat Vanderbilt at home. I mean, are you telling me? And you know, granted, Kentucky was down this year, but worse personnel than Vanderbilt? I mean, really? I mean, no, that's just not that's not reality. You really I think mean, that C.J. Stroud is going to be available at four, though? We really believe what's happening in Houston. I don't. I, I just don't see how Houston can. I, I don't. I don't understand what Houston's motive would be to fake, you know, that they're not going to go quarterback. But I mean, I just can't imagine the, you know, 
the S storm that would rain down on them if, you know, they pass on a quarterback that does well for somebody else, you know. I just don't I don't see how that's going to pan out. That seemed like great business to me, but we'll see, I guess. Brian, anything hey, else? I, I, will, I will finish with this. Caleb Williams, you know, they say Bryce Young is, is a smaller Mahomes. No, Caleb Williams is a smaller Mahomes. That kid is unbelievable. I mean, if you want to, if you want to trade down and try to get him or Drake May next year, I think Drake May is at least easily as good a prospect as Stroud, maybe better. I mean, he ran out of gas in North Carolina playing as a freshman, true freshman. But I mean, I think those two kids might be better than the four this year. But I, I would, you know, if they wanted to trade down or just, you know, I mean, the fans would go nuts. But you know, if they wanted to tank and trade down and go for one of those two, you know, I couldn't argue with that either. Hey, Brian, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. My philosophy is this. You're at four right now. You're coming off just a awful clown show of a season. You don't want to be back down here again. And when you're down here, you want to take advantage of being down here. So to me, you can't worry about what's happening next year. You can't worry about how everything's going to go for next year. You know how much good fortune how much luck is involved in worrying about that? You want to be down here one time and then lift yourself up with a selection and move forward. That's what has to happen right now. You don't want to be down here again next year. Again, there's no guarantees about being down there. And really, there's no reason. No reason with that division with the schedule the way that it's going to look i mean there's no real reason why you should be 4 12 and 1 again is there even with the major transition you're making you just again you want to if you're down here take advantage of being down here and then move on and move to get better i mean i mentioned chris ballard has three years to get this right but he sure as hell doesn't have six i don't think sean's next to 239 sean welcome to the show Hey, uh, 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 hey, uh, John, um, I, uh, got a, I, uh, just want to get your, uh, input on the whole draft layout. So I think the Colts are, there's a good, like, I, uh, I have two questions. So regarding, and both of them kind of tie in to one, do you think if the first three picks, if Carolina goes with Young, uh, Houston goes with Will Levis, and then let's say um, Arizona goes with James and Carter, do you think the Colts will pass up on Stroud and go after Will Levis or Richardson? I will I will tell you. Yeah, hey, Sean, I will. And thank you for the call. I'll tell you this. They're going to take a quarterback at four. I'd like to think that they know who's going to be there right now. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're right. But if if Levis goes in a realm in which they don't want to mess around with, it very well could be Richardson. I I am not sold on them. And this is going to drive me nuts in saying this because you know who I like it for. I am not sold that they'll take Stroud at four if available. Does that sound weird? I'm not sold on that. I haven't been sold on that for a while. 
Like it sounds crazy to me, and I maybe the next day a rip job city. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's got to go down first. I'm not going to get mad about nothing and have to reboot my mad. But I'm not sold. I'm not sold that they would do that at four. Sounds outrageous. Sounds outlandish. Sounds ridiculous. I'm not sold. Cam's next. Cam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean, for the call. Go ahead, Cam. Real fast. I have a, a small conspiracy theory, but stick with me for a moment. You got it. I, I feel the coach probably going to draft Andy Nooker. I know he's not ready to go yet. Uh, I'm not saying the guy's not going to play hard, but that should put us in a position next year to pick up uh, Harrison Jr. I will tell you this, and Cam, thank you for the call. I don't even know if that's a conspiracy theory because Hendon Hooker was a good quarterback, a really good quarterback. Uh, Hendon Hooker, by all accounts, from what they say, and I'm not one of them, I'm just reading it and watching it like you are, uh, has leadership qualities that I certainly know that the Colts respect and like. It is not so much about the injury. It may, however, be his age. And I know that it was different when the Pacers drafted Duarte. The age doesn't matter, whatever. And you look at that a couple of years later, you know, maybe it does. Certainly, maybe it does here. I just don't happen to think he is going to be their pick at four. I think that he would certainly be in the discussion major had he not been injured, and that's that's unfortunate. I just don't think he is going to be the guy for them, but somebody's going to get lucky. Like Tennessee may end up getting incredibly lucky with that. Tennessee at 11. I just don't think it's going to be Hendon Hooker. Thank you, Cam, for that quick break, and we'll come back. I'm going to give somebody a chance to win George George Thurgood tickets, George Thurgood and the Destroyers and Grand Prix tickets coming up here before the end of the show. We'll uh, set out a course for tomorrow's show, let you know about that and a lot more. Thursday's draft coverage. I'm going to have you for round number one. Matt, Rick, and Joe at the Colts Complex. John's going to be right here. Talking about himself in the third person. Right here, leading you down the path. Quick break, back with you. Final time next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I mentioned Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Donnie Iris as a re-entry a little bit earlier. George Thorogood also, I believe, what do they call it? A Pittsburghian? One bourbon, one scotch, one beer. That will be a part of the catalog played at the Mira Old National Center. Pair of tickets, George Thorogood and the Destroyers. And for good measure, we shall throw in a pair to go to the Grand Prix that is coming up. Early May. So before the 500, I should say before the month of May, you've got one race remaining. 
before that month of May. That's at Barber down outside of Birmingham, Alabama, coming up on Sunday. And then it's time for the month of May. There you go. And a pair of tickets to both. Again, the Grand Prix and George Thorogood and the Destroyers at the Mirah Old National Center. Frank Lucas says Drake May is going to make a team very happy for a long time. Has anybody figured out the whole mentions thing yet? Anybody out there really tech, Twitter savvy? So here's the dilemma. I like to respond to everybody, but when I'm involved in a tweet now, it is likely I have to go to the original tweet and then to find out what people are saying about it. Like the mentions used to just come, you know, just come splashing down, if you will. And now they don't. Now I got to go search for them. Why is that? Do we know? James, anybody tech savvy? Hello? I have no idea. Sometimes they're going to need a little bit of help. And this would be one of those times. I don't get it. And it really just started happening yesterday. I noticed it last night. Jeremiah writes this. It doesn't matter if you have a check mark or not. And I don't. And I don't care. I did. It didn't matter to me when I did. I didn't even know that it was gone. But I do want to be able to easily get with you. And there's nothing really easy. Certainly not as easy as it was. Do I blame this on Musk? There a problem? Is Musk problematic with this? I mean, it, it's a perfectly reasonable, uh, per, per, perfectly reasonable person to blame. I think. Or do I just need to be smarter? Maybe I just need to be smarter. Jeremiah continues. Does at JMV have a check mark? He does not. That is Jason M. Vanderhill, who is a museum curator and a contributor to Vancouver Confidential as he staked out in Vancouver, British Columbia. I got in contact with Jason M. Vanderhill, who has at JMV on Twitter. And he was going to charge me like $2,000 for that handle. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking more like two bucks. All right. What's it worth to you? Not that much. But yeah, he does not have a check mark either. The museum curator at JMV is Jason M. Vanderhill, who once upon a time blocked me. The reason why he blocked me, I blame it on all of you because you used to tell him how much I sucked. And then he thought that you were talking about him. So he blocked me for that, and then he got in touch with me, and I think it was like $2,000 or something he wanted for at JMV. I said, probably not. But yeah, I don't understand what's happening here. Hey, JMV, I can't wait for your Twitter feed during the draft. That should be entertaining. Hell yeah, it should be. Going to be a Warwick. I see you lurking there. Give me 10 seconds of your outstanding material. Go ahead. John. Uh, I think the Colts like Hendon Hooker. Is he too old? And also, could they trade back maybe to 15, let's say, with the Jets and pick up uh, Hooker at that point? Warwick, thank you for the call. My belief is unless they feel compelled 
to move up to number three, which they don't at all want to do. I think they are going to be comfortable in staying at number four. Thomas won those Thoroughgood tickets, right? Pittsburgher is what they say. Pittsburghian, like I said. Pittsburgher. Hey, James, great job out of you today. Shout out to Stephen Holder and Mike DiRocco, each from ESPN.com, podcast 1075thefan.com. Stephen Holder's got some quotes from Jim Ursay in his latest story. Trackside at 7, me tomorrow, back with you at 3, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Have a great night.